Today is the 24th of September, 2014. Greetings to the Bride of Christ in Sugarland, Texas. Happy Rosh Hashanah. Amen. On the internet today, I saw everybody in Israel dipping apples into honey everywhere. Mostly had guns and uniforms on. Standing guard, standing watch for an enemy that wants to kill them. It's not just them they want to kill, they want to kill us too. There's an enemy out there and he hates us. He hates anything that's alive, apparently. He wants everything dead. They brag about being the religion of death. Death is something that they, they strive for, and uh, it's, it's just odd. We come from a whole different lineage. Praise God. We're grafted into the people who are this year having their... It's the seventh year where they have to let the land sit idle for a year. And so I was reading where... <laughs> They have the rabbis talking to them to figure out the rules for this, you know. So they want to let the land lie fallow for a year, like God said. So you look at the rules. So they were talking to this one farmer who was in charge of a couple of kibbutzes, which are like communes, and they, they have a lot going on. Kibbutzes in Israel come out with some amazing things. I bought this electrical testing, uh, not testing kit, but um, it was to teach a child to take a from not understanding electricity all the way to making uh, a doorbell, you know, to create this thing that actually made a sound for like a five-year-old. And when I was reading, I said, who made this thing? It was made in a kibbutz in Israel. I mean, they make astounding things. But anyway, they have the farms going right now. And so the rabbis, they're going through the rules. Darnell was reading the word today, and she said, what does it mean? What does, it, what does this mean to you where God says, I would rather have mercy than sacrifice. I said, that's a good question. Mercy. Obedience, sacrifice, I get. She said, let me look. So she looked in the complete Jewish Bible. It said compassion. I get the compassion part. So, so then it's funny because she said that. I was reading this thing about the kibbutzes. And the farmer who was in charge of all this stuff said, we're talking to the rabbis. So the way the rule is is that you have to let the land sit idle, and you're waiting upon the grace of the Lord to provide for you. You're not allowed to plant anything, but if some seeds from last year fell in the ground and they grew, you can do that. But you're not allowed to plant anything. You've got to let the ground rest. And he said, when you look further, it says in the law, Torah, that it's for foreigners and poor among you to come in and get something to eat. And he said, now... You know, things are tight in Israel right now. We're in a war. We've got a lot going on, competition. I don't think people ought to think about coming and getting a free meal. That's pushing it a little too far. God says, I want compassion more than animal sacrifice. I want compassion. So they've got the law. They're trying to abide by it, but the rabbi, they're agreeing, they're making a deal with the rabbi to build fences around fences, and that's how we get in trouble. Tonight, the message that I have for you is about leadership and authority. You could just as well add another word to that, responsibility. And the question arises, where does authority come from? It comes from God. There is nothing happening on this planet right now that God is not aware of, that God does not have his hand in. Everybody's so upset about the border being open and all these kids from South America coming up. 
The other day I was praying about this. Lord, what's going on here? Because you're in everything. And I think, I think I got a glimpse that these children will fight. Uh, they were raised Christian. They will come to this place, appreciate what's going on, and they will fight later on when they grow up. They will fight any power that comes and tries to take this place, which, by the way, they're doing now. Uh, Islam uh, is rising up. It wants to be acknowledged and noticed. In the United States, there are territories that are Islam-only areas in Detroit, Michigan, you can't go in there. In UK, Britain, there are whole neighborhoods. In Paris, France, whole neighborhoods. In every part of Europe is almost all Islam now around the major capitals. Paris is almost surrounded by Islamic communities. You're not welcome there. You're, you're going to get slapped. You're going to get beat, roughed up, and thrown out. I've seen videos of it. And it's, it's astounding that this force thinks it has authority. It is raising its head to say, I have authority. I'm going to beat you and kill you to prove it. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't take that real well. I don't, somebody beating me doesn't prove much to me except that they're very mean people and they're very evil people. It doesn't prove authority to me. It proves that maybe they think they have an opportunity to hurt somebody. And I mean, what kind of God is that? You know, so that's what Fabian Gretsch was saying here. What kind of God is it that has to put a sword in front of you to prove to you that they're a great God? Not much of one. But this thing is rising up. So God is in everything. God is in authority over all things. So we have uh, one perfect example of that authority on the earth. And who is that? Jesus. Yeshua. The Son of God. And so in Mark 2.10... If you, uh, you want to flip to these uh, scriptures, what did God give Jesus authority to do? But you, that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. That's why Jesus came. That's why God gave him authority. That's the authority he gave him. It was to stop the death, stop the madness, stop the pain and suffering, the authority to split the darkness, the authority to shine the light, to heal, to rise up a holy nation unto God. So we sit here today, we are meeting here because we are drawn to the purpose of becoming holy. I'm a terribly flawed man. And that's a constant struggle for me. I don't even know that I understand how to do it. I've heard somebody at this altar recently say, I don't even know if I'm saved. I don't know. Because the world can beat you down so hard. Because of choices we make, you get into this corner and the devil can just start pounding on you. You only get pounded when you give the enemy the authority to do that to you by going in the areas you shouldn't go. When you go off into sin, you're not holy. Be holy as I am holy. Listen. That's a very big statement. It's a very tough deal for us. We're, we're these little, we're like, what, 75% water encased in flesh. We're jars of clay. The deposit of the Holy Spirit is in us. You know, I've heard it said a lot of times, and I've said it too. The plan of salvation 
rest upon us to go to work. Well, let me just tell you, if you are told to do something by someone in authority, you should always make sure that if someone gives you the responsibility for something, they also give you the authority to carry it out. Because responsibility with no authority doesn't work. You'll go running out into the middle of a big mess. Corporations are really good at this. If you've been around these big corporations, they, they're like, God, they're so cruel. They know the game. They know how it works. But they'll take somebody who's maybe just climbing that corporate ladder, who's not been in corporate world very long and doesn't understand how hard this is going to be, and they'll pump them all up and say, go out there and change, make a change, with no response, with the responsibility to make a change with no authority. And so you can imagine how they're greeted not too well. When they show up and they try to make a change with no authority, everybody just laughs. Nothing happens. That person who tried to make a change, he was given responsibility to go do something with no authority, is now, man, he's not going to stick his head up again for a long time. He's, he's, you can see they get broken. When anybody did that to me, I would always say, no problem. Give me the authority to do it. And they would go, you have the authority right now. We give it to you right now. Okay, who's going to go tell those other guys that now have that authority that it now goes to me? We're going to do it Monday. This is Friday. Okay. Tuesday, I get a call from that guy. They went and sat with this guy for eight hours and didn't say a thing. He knew I met with him on Friday. And he's like, what is going on? I said, well, here's what they wanted me to do. They wanted me to come take your authority and go do something else. They're mad at us because we're not doing what they want. And they don't even understand what we're supposed to do. And this guy was just amazed. He said, they can't do that. I said, well, they tried. They tried real hard, but I didn't like the deal. If I'm going to be given responsibility, I have to have authority. And they didn't give it to me because you still have it. That means I still work for you. What's our plan? See, I was a man under authority, under him. He said, well, if you went out on your own, who would you, who would you report to? I said, apparently not you. And so... He was, just, he was a shock to this guy because he owned the world that I was in. He was renowned. He was a subject matter expert. Everybody feared. And it shook him to his core that people above him at the top of this thing we were in would do that. That's evil. That's not God. So we have an example of God-given authority. Jesus was given a responsibility to bring God's word to the earth and to walk perfectly through this life that you are in right now, eating, breathing, sleeping, getting up, bathing, changing clothes, every day, perfectly. Man, I'm pretty sure when I was two years old, I was stealing somebody's cookies. And they were stealing mine. I know by the time I was six, we were stealing each other's lunch off the table in the lunchroom. I mean, Jesus did it. He was given the authority, he was given the responsibility, and he listened and he said, I only do what God tells me to do, and I only do what I see him do and say what I hear him say. That's the only way he made it. He understood what it meant to be an authority. There was an authority over him that he wanted to please. He wanted to do this right, and he did do this right. Now, we are, we found ourselves struggling to do this right. We struggle, we Man, I am the worst sometimes. I just 
forget. I get all wrapped up in this world and I forget. And then God comes to me and he, he gives me a simple message because I'm a simple guy. I, I don't try to get too complicated because it takes too much energy to figure all that stuff out. I'm very simple. You know, Eric said it the other day, uh, the two elders, he mentioned one of them, the Forrest Gump. Well, that would be me. Because I, I, think, I think Forrest Gump actually is pretty cool because he was always in the present. He always loved everybody around him, and he didn't care about money. He would do anything for his brothers, to get, go to any length to save his friends. He never cared what they dressed in or what they looked like. How are you doing? Let me help you. He poured everything he had into anybody he loved. I think that's pretty, pretty good. He would walk away from things just to think, you know, about what was going on. He didn't get all wrapped up in this world. I'll take the Forrest Gump thing. I'm the Forrest Gump of elders. But you know what? I can, I, I can deal with that. I actually, I actually think that it's good to keep things simple. Well, Jesus, in a very complicated world, even though he was in a time nothing like this time where we have cell phones and computers and instant transmissions of information, I was reading where Abraham Lincoln got addicted to the telegraph. He was addicted to the telegraph. It was the beginning of the... the, the if he would have had Facebook, he'd have been in it. What's the general say? Did he friend me? You know, he had to have these telegrams all night and day. If anybody sent him a telegram, he got up and read it. He had no sleep, no rest, but he had to know what was going on. It was the first guy who ever had that, first president who ever had this electronic communication, and he got addicted to it. And it, it served him well, but it messed him up too. Everybody had a hard time with it. But you know that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. If you are in Christ, what authority do you have? You have a lot of authority. You have a lot of authority. I didn't really know until Darnell and I got to this cancer clinic in Dallas for eight weeks, and I had this overwhelming urge to read this book, The Believer's Authority, that Eric read when he was 18, the rest of you guys too. I had never read it. I didn't know anything about it, but I suddenly had to get that book. And when I read it, it was amazing to me. I was in Garland, Texas, where he wrote this in 1948, or where it happened to him, where he had this realization of what authority you have and the power that you walk in. And I was like, this is no accident. I'm sitting where this guy had his little church in 1948, 49, the winter that he, he prayed till God gave him this. And man, I need this now. Well, let me tell you something. It's very powerful. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. If you could put that up, please. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Okay, how much authority had been given to Jesus? All. Which part of all leaves anything out? We've heard that before, right? Nothing. It's all. And with Jesus and with God, it's all or nothing. You either get all of it or you get none of it. Which one do you want? I want all. I need to paraphrase that. I need, I want all I can handle. I want all that this little 120 device body of mine can plug into 220 and survive. That's the way I look at it. You're plugging into something so powerful, I just want to survive. I don't want to go into the temple, go behind the curtains, and they have to drag me out with the rope. Because the guy that went in there had sin, 
And he put bells on them because if you fell out and didn't talk to them, they'd drug him out. So I don't want to be that guy. I want all I can handle. I want to do this right. I want to keep it simple. I'm not going to get too ambitious about it. But when I see this, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Next. Therefore, this is a great commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Next. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So the end of this age that we're in is the age that apparently God is allowing this evil to work its way to damnation, where it damns itself. You know where he said, uh, God said, uh, don't go over there because their sins have not risen to a level yet that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of them. So apparently, Satan's sins have to rise to a level where God has, God's very numerical, so it's some mathematical thing that Satan's going to finally reach the trifecta, and God says, okay, that's it. Jesus, go and make enemy, your enemies your footstool. To the people who he said this to, the end of the age was when they died. We may see the end of this age. It may be that we die first. But we have to remember that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. Jesus was given all authority. It says so. Do you believe his word? He doesn't lie. And he said, I have all authority. Now you go. Therefore, that means I'm giving, he, Jesus is giving us the authority to go. Jesus has all authority. He turned right around and gave it to us. Isn't that amazing? Jesus Christ received all authority for walking perfectly. He was given the keys to heaven and hell and told, Come, my son, who I'm proud of, sit right here beside me till I tell you when I'm ready for you to go and finish this. This rebellious spirit that has popped up and wants to rebel against the universe and everything that's created. There's a time coming where I'm going to let you go and take care of this. You're under my authority. I give you everything. He turned right around and gave it to you and me. Now, that is astounding. All right. So he's given us a responsibility. He's also given us the authority to carry it out. Right? Okay. So that's the 30,000-foot view, right? That's That's the overarching principle around why we're here, why we're drawn to this place tonight, why we love each other, why we spend so much time together praising, reading the Word, encouraging one another. That's why we do this. We want to be in that number when the saints go marching in. We want to be counted as holy, and we're not holy. We're very flawed, but we want to be counted. We're not out in bars tonight. We're not out disco dancing. We're not out whatever people are doing out there. We're here. We voluntarily got up, got cleaned up, came here. Why? Because we're drawn to this. It's our breath. Jesus has given us authority to do something. He's given us responsibility with authority. 
There is nothing, nothing in this world you cannot do with that authority. I defy anyone to show me anything you cannot do with the power of Jesus Christ. Jesus got up out of the grave. Jesus set his life down and picked it up himself. He was given the authority to do that. You don't get that kind of authority if you're not right with God. So he has given that to us. This is so valuable, so precious, and so powerful that we forget. I'm a very flawed man. I forget this. I get mad at people in traffic. You know, we got to keep it simple. We have to be basic people. And the basic thing is that you have to be on duty to carry out that responsibility. You know, Eric says, you may think you're going to Walmart to get a loaf of bread or a gallon of milk, but be prepared because you, you might be ministering to somebody. Darnell and I left here Sunday. I really wished Charlie and Joe could have been with us because Charlie and Joe had come up through the Catholic Church a long time ago. I don't know much about it. Uh, it's been a mystery to me. But we were going to Whole Foods because we had to get groceries, and we were starving. And so we were talking about lunch, and we decided we were just going to eat off the salad bar at Whole Foods. Well, Charlie said, I got a craving for Mexican. I said, yeah, salad bar at Whole Foods doesn't sound that good. He said, I think we're going to go this way. I said, yeah, okay, we're going that way. We go get our little plate of stuff. We go pay for it, and we sit there. If you've ever been in Whole Foods, there's a little place where you can sit and eat. So we're sitting there eating, minding our own business. Just talking, having a good time, talking about the food. It was actually pretty good. Charlie, it was good. It really was seasoned good. It was actually, I was like surprised. But we're sitting there, and we're eating, and we're watching. You know, I love to watch people. I just love to watch people. And I'm sitting right by the door, so I got this front row seat to all these people coming and going. So this guy and this lady come in, and they both have on baby blue shirts, and they got two buggies, and there's five kids in the buggies, four boys and a girl, and the boys all have baby blue shirts and khakis. And the lady looks kind of Pentecostal. She's got a long skirt and her hair up in a bun. And the guy kind of looks Pentecostal too. And so cute kids, beautiful kids, well-behaved. That's what really caught my eye. And I was kind of smiling at them and talking to them. They're sitting right there. They're all parked because that's the way to the bathroom too. So they're all parked right there. Somebody had to go take a bathroom break. And they're looking at me like we're about two feet from each other, and I'm waving and smiling, you know, and they're kind of trying to warm up to me. And their mom comes over. I said, boy, those are beautiful kids. You could tell there was, they were Christians. You could tell they had, they had values. The children were very well behaved. They weren't complaining and griping. And the lady launched in on us. And I mean, out of the blue. Do you know what purgatory is? And I'm like, oh, wow. I'm mid-bite into this chili, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I've heard about it. Well, here's what purgatory is. So you, if you go rob a bank, you've got to pay the price, right? So there's a penalty for that. So if you die, uh, you've got to go to purgatory. Where this comes from, I have no idea, but this is how it started. If you, go, if you, go, if you die, you're going to go to purgatory. Because you know you've done something wrong. You know we all do stuff wrong. I went, mm-hmm, yep, I'm with you. But how do you get out of purgatory? I said, can I ask a question? She goes, sure. What about the blood of Jesus? How would I get into purgatory if I've got the blood of Jesus on me, who's covered all my sins, even though I am a very flawed man? 
How do I get into purgatory if Jesus died for my sins and covered me with his blood? How does that happen? She said, well, she had some crazy thing. That didn't really happen, or it didn't really work, or something. Then she launched off into, she could tell, wait, this guy knows a little bit about religion, I guess. I don't think they read the Bible too much, but religion. So she launched in, she goes, did you know that Jesus was Catholic? I said, no, I didn't know that. But I bet I'm going to hear it, you know. And she says, yes, Jesus was Catholic. I said, how did that happen? How does that work? When he, when he died, he, when, when, he, yeah, when he died and came back, he was Catholic. I said, so I'm thinking he was Jewish. And she goes, the religion or the state? I said, both. So we're sitting there, it's getting... She's, she's hammering on me with this wild stuff. I said, you know, Jesus died, came back in a glorified body, flesh and bone, no blood. His blood was poured upon the altar of heaven for our sins. I'm washed in that blood. She goes, wait a minute. She runs and gets another guy. She goes and gets help. So this next guy with his wife shows up. Now it's four to two with five kids. Kids are very well behaved. They're never saying a word. These kids are very well behaved. They're like our kids. They, they know, oh, this, this meeting is going to go for a while. They're never, you know, you can tell they've been through this before. And so the guy launches in. He goes, he's trying to explain to me, yeah, Jesus was a Catholic. And um, I'm like, no, no. And so his wife says, did you just say Jesus didn't have blood? I said, that's what I said. He had a glorified body. He had, he had flesh and he had bone. He stayed with him 40 days. He lifted off into the air, and he told him, I'll be back. And he had no blood. It was poured out. They go, are you saying Jesus, when he came back, he didn't have blood? I went, yeah. They go, where do you get that? I said, the Bible. What Bible are you reading? Oh, here we go. What Bible are you reading? Are you reading the Dewey Rains Bible? I didn't even know what Dewey Rains Bible was. I went and looked it up. Pretty weird. Did you know how your Bible, <laughs> you know how your Bible was made? There was this meeting in 390 or whatever, where all these people got together. That was the Council of Trent. And that's where your Bible came from. And they decided, people that your Bible decided not to put everything in, but we have everything in our Bible. And they'd start telling me all the stuff they had in their Bible that I didn't have. And if you go read that, you'll understand why Jesus was a Catholic. I said, you know, okay, stop. This is going, I'm starting to get frustrated because this guy, they're both, now they're tag teaming me. And the spouses, the guy and the wife, and the other two spouses stood back. I went, okay. I have authority in Jesus Christ to proclaim the truth. And it's not going to happen in this place, at this food court, arguing with these people. I said, stop. Let's see where we can agree. Here's what we agree on. We both hate abortion, right? And the guy said, yeah. And I said, stuck my hand out. I'm looking at his hand like, stick your hand out. So he goes, oh, and he sticks his hand out and shakes my hand, and I held it. I said, we both agree that abortion's bad, right? Yeah. We both agree that Islam is very bad, and we're not going to stand for that, right? Yeah. I said, then we're in agreement. We don't need to argue. We have differences, but we don't need to argue in this place. And then they gave up, and they left. But they weren't happy because they didn't convert us to whatever they were saying. Man, if Charlie would have been there, man, we'd have nailed him, you know. <laughs> So, so as an elder in this church, 
it was a it was a wake up call, an alarm bell that, hey, you better know enough to handle people in Whole Foods. You better you better go study all this stuff they're talking about because apparently there's a lot of people that believe this. I never knew it, so I'm on a, a journey now to study. But what they what they would not recognize was this authority that Jesus gave to us. They want that authority to be with someone else, the Pope. And they want the Pope to give it to the priest, to give it to them without reading the Word. You see how this gets really messed up if you don't understand where authority comes from? Look at how many people are in this room. We're not filling all the chairs. This is a Wednesday night, a family meeting. There's not a lot of us here. I mean, it's a good number. But it's not like, you know, when I pass the Catholic Church, they're waiting in line to get in there. Their parking lots are full, and they're flowing like bees in, out of the hive or something. There's a lot of people that are getting this twisted word. They do not understand the proper authority. When Jesus was talking to the Roman soldier who said, can you please help me? Jesus said, yes, I'll go there. He says, no, you just say the word. I'm a man under authority. I know this will happen. That's the kind of faith. That's the kind of trust that we have to have that this word is true and it's right. If you go outside that authority, you're in trouble. If I go outside that authority, I have no authority. All I have is Jesus. I have nothing else. I have nothing else to rely on. Nothing. My life is on the line. But guess what? So is yours. We all. The world doesn't know that. How close you are at any given time to having your soul demanded of you and to stand before a holy God. I mean... We have to spend our time wisely. If you, if you are um, a young person in this room under 30, raise your hand. Okay. Good amount of people. All right. So when authority is given from God, it's a very powerful thing. One of the people in the, in the Word who is a great example of authority and all of the suffering it took to get to authority is Joseph. How would you feel, you folks that raised your hand, if your brothers and sisters lured you to a remote place, roughed you up, threw you in a hole, sat there and talked about you, about killing you? What if your brothers and your sisters threw you in a hole and talked about killing you while you were down in the hole? And then... One of them who had more pull with the rest of them who loved you said, I still don't kill him. Let's sell him. Let's sell Annie to the slave traders. Get her out of the hole. When that camel thing comes by, we're selling Annie to the slave traders. Annie's, Annie's Mario's favorite. She gets anything she wants. I'm sick and tired of this. Hey, let's kill her. No, no, man. Dad will find out. Mario will find out. Let's sell her. Here comes a camel train. Let's sell her. They sold their brother. Sold. Man, it's bad enough they're talking about killing you when you're beat up down in the hole. Hey, guys, come on. It's all over. Let me out. Now they're talking about cutting your throat, and then they sell you, and you're on a camel going away, tied up with a bag over your head and mistreated. 
you every night from that point on are going to go out and gather camel dung to burn in the fire. You're going to serve water. You're going to build the tents. You're going to be a slave. And when you get to where you're going, you better have some authority because if not, you'll be dead. Joseph had the mantle of God's authority upon him and he acted correctly in that authority. He had respect for his elders. He had respect for authority. People noticed it and he rose quickly to run things. The guy had this organizational skill and people would listen to him and trust him and they wanted to be with him. They wanted to be like him and they listened to him and he made things happen. And then the devil, you know, the story comes and puts a harlot in front of him and gets him in trouble again. He gets thrown into the prison into another hole and he has to work his way up through the prison system. Good God, those prisons were so bad and there are prisons in the world today where you don't get, they don't feed you. We have... We have a penthouse system here in the U.S. There are prisons in the world, a lot of them, where they don't feed you. People have to bring you food or you die, or you have to fight somebody to get their food or you die. They throw you up in there. They lock you up. If you make it good, if you don't, good. Joseph was in those kind of places. And he rose up again with God's authority. And then, because he respected authority, he was given Authority. Authority that you and I can only imagine. If you look in Genesis 41, it's the first mention of authority in the Word. If you want the example of authority, go to Genesis 41.33. It's the first mention of authority in the Bible. Now, Adam had authority in the Garden of Eden over the plants and the animals. He could name them, and he was supposed to take care of everything except don't touch that stuff there, which he committed treason. And God had authority over the whole place and said, no, you have, you have really done something bad here, and now you have to go. You're getting kicked out. But this is different because Joseph is mistreated to the point of death. He's resurrected twice through his life and then given this authority 33 and now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance they should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. The food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and all of his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of God? And apparently they couldn't. He's standing right there in front of them. So they gave him authority over everything, and he was 30 years old. Now, he had to suffer greatly at the risk of his life and being betrayed by his own family and thrown in prison. He kept his honor. He kept holy. He kept his dignity. He was respected for it. He was promoted until he was in charge of the world power and all the food that the world power owned. And guess what? 
the famine hit his family that sold him out and they had to come and beg for food. How important was it that Joseph respected authority? It saved Israel. There would be no Israel. There would be no Jewish people today. God would have made another way, I'm sure. Joseph happened to do what was right, and he got the call. You go do this. And he did it. And he did it with dignity and grace. Grace under fire. He held his position. He was honored by, by the slave traders, by the wardens in the prison, by the governors, and then by the guy who owned everything in the world and all the armies and everything that guarded it. How important is it for you to put up with office gossip, demands of coworkers, constant email and bickering, uh, people threatening to fire you, stealing your tools? Uh, how important is it to you that you remain focused and holy? It's very important. I'll tell you why. Because there are leaders in this room who are going to go out. I may not see it. We may, your elders may not see it. You may be further down the road. We may be gone. But you will lead. And you will lead a lot of people. And you will be responsible for their, their well-being, for feeding their souls, probably saving their lives. How important is it for you now to obey authority, respect authority, because one day you're going to become authority. You cannot be a person in authority. You cannot be a good leader unless you're a good follower. Who is the prime example of that? Jesus. Yeshua. He followed. He did everything he was supposed to do that he was asked to do the best he could. In fact, he was perfect at it. We're not going to be perfect. But we can sure try harder than we are. I can try harder than I am. Because there's a time coming where we're going to run into a lot of people like we just ran into in Whole Foods who've got some really screwed up theology. I really didn't know how messed up it was. I didn't know how far off it was. They thought I was crazy. I didn't tell them anything that we don't talk about all the time and that we know our children know. Our children, our little children know the stuff I was telling them. And it just astounded them. Like, they could see the look in their eyes like, whoa, no blood, he's crazy. I'm looking at them like, golly, really? God, they don't know this. How important is it to respect the authority that God has given you to stuff yourself like an ox with everything you can get? Now, here's another thing that's going on in your lives. You're in a place, in a church. Would you say there's a definite authority here? Yeah. Yes, it's established for a reason on purpose. There are five elders now, more to come, who have the responsibility of overseeing everything that happens here with the people. What you're being shown is what you're going to do in the future. This is classroom. This is learning time. You're going to get launched, and it's going to be on your back. 
you're getting prime examples here now of, of, of selflessness, of feeding you strong word that you know when you can go and talk to those people that we talk to, you can talk to them and, and get through to them. This is going to be your call. This is going to be your job. But more than that, you're going to be put in danger. You're going to be put in dangerous situations where people are not going to like you. They might want to hurt you. What power do you have on your own? None. You have the authority that God gave you. What does God say to do with that authority? It's pretty simple. It's, well, it's our plan. Feed orphans. Take care of widows. Raise our families correctly. Be good stewards of what we have. Share everything that we can. Love everybody. Pay attention to when people are hurting, missing, whatever's happening. Pay attention. Love each other. That's what we do all the time. We're teaching and being taught that all the time with each other. We're caring for each other. Because this little flock, this little group is going to go out. A lot of you are going to go out. Your children are going to go out. The things they learn in your home, the things they learn here, things you're learning here, you're going to give to other people. You're going to pour your lives out. Or you have another choice. You cannot. You can take the easy road, and you wouldn't be here tonight. You'd be at the disco, the ball field, or somewhere. That's not who we are. We're not called to that. We'll never be happy with that. Authority comes from Christ. Christ's authority comes from God. That authority is given to us. How are we supposed to use that authority? Go to Mark, the book of Mark with me. Mark 10. Verses 42 through 45. Now Jesus picked out 12 guys. And he has given them authority to go out two by two and heal people and chase out demons and do things that nobody... Nobody... The key to this is nobody was doing it because Jesus gave them authority to do it. So this was very unique. That 12 guys, six teams of two went out and they drove demons out, and they healed people. Now, if you get involved with something where you are given authority and power, and you get sent out, and stuff starts happening, wherever those two teams, those six teams went, those two-by-twos went, they were mobbed. You know what? They didn't have a health care program. My brother's got a demon. My mom's sick. Once, they see, once people see, poor people see something happening, you got some food in the back of your truck, you're going to get mobbed. We see it in Mexico all the time. This was people being healed, evil spirits being driven out of people. Those guys were mobbed. They came back, I imagine, a little bit taller, a little bit stronger feeling, you know. Man, told him all about it. Man, we whipped that one. We whipped that one. We got that. We healed those people. That village liked us. That village didn't. You got, you got six teams. You got 12 young men who probably were not very confident. We know they weren't very well educated, all of them. And now they've had success. So what does Jesus tell them? In Mark 10, 40 through 45, Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. 
Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, our pastor's not here. He's in Romania with one of the other pastors. There is a man who felt the call of God strongly enough to be the first. Then the second came and so on and so forth. But there was one who was first. And he accepted that call. He stepped into it, a very flawed man, he'll tell you. And he wanted to take that mantle. He'd been called since he was 16, 17, 18 to do this. He stepped into it. Whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. Do you find that to be true? Yeah. Yeah. So this authority that's been given to our pastor, he has become the servant of all. So here's your lesson, young people. Here's your lesson. You're going to pour it out. Yes, you have authority over demons. Yes, you have authority over sickness. The world will puff you up when you get authority. They will come flocking to you like you're a rock star because you can do stuff they can't do. You have to become the servant of all and the slave of all or you will fail miserably and wish you were never born. You will wish you never had had that success if you messed this up. Whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, if we're paying attention, God is the authority. Jesus listens to everything God says. Jesus is saying what God wants him to say. Compassion. I don't want animal sacrifice. I want compassion. You have to have compassion if you want to serve people. It's hard, isn't it? It really was hard to listen to those people fussing at me in that Whole Foods without getting in the flesh. I felt my heart start beating fast the way they were tag-teaming me, and I had to stop it because it's never profitable to get into an argument with anybody. I had to stop. I figured out, whoa, wait, i got to stop this. We have to figure out what we agree on and part because these guys are getting agitated. They're going to convince me that the Pope is right and all that stuff. I'm like, whoa, stop. Right here. Let's agree on something and shake hands, ruffle the kid's hair. You were really good sitting in that buggy. Love you guys. See you. And we actually hugged and split. And um, that's hard. You have to realize your authority doesn't come to beat people with this word and this gospel. This is a gospel of servanthood and a gospel of love and a gospel of reciprocal love, you know, and sharing. Go to Matthew 28, 18, if you would, please. So we're back at where we kind of started. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. Jesus gave that authority to you if you want to accept it. If you don't, There are many, many, many people who haven't. There are a lot of people who started out to do it and quit. I was reading today in Revelation about all of the, all of the saints standing around the throne that had been beheaded. And there were a lot of them. 
that would not renounce the word, would not put the mark of the beast on their forehead or their right hand. There's a guy out um, on the internet now. He's an Arab guy, and I saw he said in 2007, he said, people have misunderstood that whole 666 thing. That's not what it says. Have you seen that? Have you guys seen that? Very interesting. He said, what that says is uh, something about Allah is the one, and they put it on. That's what those ISIS guys have on their forehead and on their arm, and that's what John saw. The mark of the beast was exactly what that says. The guy said, You're, people thought those were numbers, but being Arab, I thought, boy, it would be cool for our Arab friends to show us this, but being Arab, he said, I knew immediately when I saw it, I went, good Lord, that's not 666. They misinterpreted that. That is something about Allah, and that's what they have on their head. That was 2007. Every video you see now with these guys attacking and killing people, they got it on here and on their arm, the right arm. So it's coming. It's coming. We may not see it. Our children probably will. You guys probably will. And so your parents are trying to stuff you like an ox. They care enough about you to keep you home and train you at home because there's not enough time for some school to take you and all the things that they try to feed you that you would miss if you weren't with them all the time so that you can see how they walk, see how they handle these problems, to see how they stand. When they're put against the wall, when people slander them, when they try to fire them, when they don't pay them the money that they're owed, how do they react? They have an authority given to them from God. How do they act with that authority? Do they lash out? Do they seek revenge? They're teaching you. They're teaching you. There's one big party of people that want to kill you, and there's us who will lay down our lives for each other. And this is two very different worlds that you will inherit. You have authority. Don't ever, ever give it away or lose it. It's the most valuable thing you have in the world. Jesus died to get it and then turned right around and gave it to us. It's crazy. It's just crazy that God would put the salvation plan on us. God understood something about his design. He knew that if you ever figured this out, you would realize you can do it. You would realize you're like a radio receiver transmitter designed to receive and transmit to him. And if you will be quiet and quiet your world, he will talk to you. People think you're crazy when you say God or the Holy Spirit talks to you. I, I, I get it. I really do because it sounds crazy when I'm saying it. But I don't know where else I got that. So I go to my friends and say, hey, I think I, think I, I, think I got this in prayer. I think the Holy Spirit told me something. And they are very calm and measured men. And they go, hmm, okay. Oh, yeah, that's, that's different. Because mine usually are very different. And then they wait and they watch. And time shows them. They pray about it and the Holy Spirit shows them. Maybe a year later, a year later, they'll come to me and say, boy, that was right on the money. Well, where did I hear that? It, it's not me. Where do you hear these things? When God tells you what he tells you, it's him you're designed 
to know what to do with the authority He's given you. You're designed to be able to handle this. It's nothing too big for you. There's nothing you can't do inside that authority that He wants you to do. But if you go outside that authority and try to do it on your own, that's where we get in trouble. This is how we learn to stay under authority. Because when you least expect it, and I promise you I'm speaking from experience, God knows your design so incredibly intricately from the time He designed you in the womb that He knows the second He's going to drop something on you that you think you can't do, and everybody around you will step back and get in line. When Whatever you say, they will do. I've had this happen to me. And it was amazing. And it lasted for about four months. But it was God. It wasn't me. I would tell Darnell, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Everything I said, a hundred people would jump. It was in the oil spill. I had... I ended up with 2,500 people I'd never trained to handle. I'm the guy that would be out on the water fighting the oil spill. So they told me, go to this place in Pascagoula, Mississippi, and hold on to this land base until we get some people there. There's a bunch of small boats. Make sure nobody gets hurt. You're a small boat guy. And then we're going to put you... For 10 years, I had drilled to be the commander on the water. 10 years, that was my job. And, oh, my God, they can't cap this pipe, and it's shooting oil up like crazy. The biggest oil spill anybody's ever seen. And, oh, man, oh, God, what a challenge. Man, I'm gearing up. And I'm thinking any day somebody's going to relieve me, and no one ever did. Because that place swelled from five acres to 80 acres and from 15 people to 2,500 in about two weeks because somebody in London pushed a button and sent them all that zip code. And after that, nobody wanted that hot potato. They said, you know what, you're right. You're good right there. You're doing really good. I said, I'm the on the water guy. Get me out of here. I'm not a logistics guy. I'm not ordering porter potties. potties. Get me out of here. I don't care where they get the water tomorrow. Get me a boat. Get me out there. Nope. You're right there. And once I, once I quit panicking, because I had never trained for this, God reminded me of something. A year before that, God designed me to have a, and this is crazy if you know me, to have a military mind. Now, if you know me, you probably don't see me that way. If you probably don't see me in a military mindset. I'm a very kind of loosey-goosey kind of guy. I can actually do two things at once all the time. And it looks like I'm not doing either one, but I actually can. You know, I actually do really well when I have two competing things that are very serious. That's crazy. It's, this is God's design. I didn't do this. And when other people are freaking out, I just slip into some kind of zone, and it's like breathing. It's like I don't have a problem with it. Well, this thing got real complicated, and I, I was thinking, how, God, you, I, was out, I walked outside of this command center, and I was praying, Lord, you know where I'm at. You know what's going on. What is going on? Tell me. And a year before that, everything, I saw everything in military terms, defensive, offensive, hold a position, take a position, and it was driving me insane. I, I saw everything that way. And I finally went to God and I said, I can't take this anymore. 
I know you did this to me. You designed me. You built me this way. Why? I'm not living with all the go chase all the ites down and get them, you know? I wouldn't have left Gaza. When Joshua died, I'd have got on my horse and gone to Gaza. I would have, I would have kept going. But, you know, that's how he designed me. Judah and I talk about it and laugh sometimes. It's like being in the wrong century. It's like being in the wrong place. I'm not in wars. I'm not in battle. Why did you design me this way? If you're not going to give me an army, Lord, take this out of my mind. It's driving me crazy. And it was gone. I mean, it lifted off. Because I'm talking about a pressure. I'm talking about a, a tension. I'm talking about a constant thing. And it was gone. And for a year, I lived in peace. You know, I didn't worry about all that anymore. I, it was like, it was a couple of months went by. I realized, wow, this is nice. I like this. Thank you, Lord. You heard me. And I walked outside that command center, and I was panicking. And I said, you know where I'm at. Why'd you do this? What, what's, why, how come nobody's coming to relieve me? Please make this happen the way it's supposed to. These people are all messed up. Something's wrong. And the Lord clearly told me, Remember where you said that if I'm not going to give you an army, take it away? I designed you for this. Go put your hand to it. Everything you tell them to do, they'll do. And let me tell you, if you've ever had that happen to you, it's so exhilarating. For four months, if I said jump, 100 men jumped that way. 100 men jumped that way. I mean, the whole coast of Mississippi was mine. I had the governor, I had the mayors, I had the councilmen, I had all the police, I had all the firemen, I had everybody. Every time I said a word, they did it. I had PhD scientists, I had everybody. I can't even imagine all the people that showed up to this event. I, every word I said, admirals listened. Admiral Thad Allen and I would talk. How's that ever going to happen? He said, what can I do for you? I said, I'm really kind of in over my head deep. What do you need? This is what I need. Turned around and told five lieutenant commanders, make that happen. What else you need? I said, well, I heard the president on TV last night saying something. Hello, this is Admiral, Admiral Nash. This is Admiral Allen. Change this, change that, change this. What else you need? I said, you can do that? He said, boy, I'm the commander of this. <laughs> I said, but are those guys, those Coast Guard commanders back there in the, in the command center going to know that? He said, you walk in and tell them I said it. I dare him and he wanted him to call me. I said, okay. I walked back in there and there were two of them. And I said, two Coast Guard captains? I said, hey, Thad Allen said this. And they went. One of them said, how do we know he's telling the truth? The other one said, you going to call him and find out? I said, <laughs> Thad Allen said, this is the rule now. The president of the United States the night before had said no. He really messed me up bad. So I told Thad Allen, Thad Allen changed it. Are we? I'm seriously. <laughs> when is that ever going to happen? But it happened to me in a four-month span. And it's just as quickly as it was given to me, it was taken away. They capped that thing and they pulled us all back to our desk. And it was all over. It was all gone. But I had a taste I had a taste of what God designed me to do. It was exhilarating. It was Zanafanaf Panea. It was the Joseph story. If you knew my whole story, you'd really see how close it was. And I'm excited now. I'm encouraged. I want to stay under authority. I, I got a taste of how it works. I was right. He did design me that way. 
It worked real good. But now I think I have another job. Charlie and I have another job. We have gone through the 20s and the 30s and the 40s and the 50s, and now we're in our 60s. And so in the time that we have left, we want to share that with you, with our pastors. Want to be good overseers? Our wives have gone through more than we could sit here and tell you stories about, and they're still standing. We have seen the battles and the wars, and we're still standing. And if you see us standing, it's the grace of God. And one day it's going to be you looking old and standing here and telling the young people, you have the authority of God. Let me tell you something. There is no power on the earth, no power in the heavens, more power than the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. There is no other name under the Son who has the power that Jesus Christ has. And you have been given that power and authority. This, I'm, I'm trying to grasp this. I'm trying to grab hold of this so I can talk to people in Whole Foods. <laughs> and, and I feel like I got whipped. I've got so much to learn. But the way I'm going to learn it is I'm going to be with you. And you're going you're gonna to put an arm around me. You're going to tell me you know, things I don't know. I'm going to put an arm around you and tell you things you don't know because I'm going to see you don't know and you're going to see I don't know because we're in each other's lives enough. We're close enough to do that. We're going to be our brother's keepers. We're going to tell each other straight up truth. Our doors are always open to each other. This is a sweet time. This is a holy time for us because it's not always going to be this way. We're going to get sent out. And when we do, the only thing that we have is the authority that God gave Jesus and Jesus gave to us. And I want to hold on to that authority until I quit breathing. And my commitment to you is I'm going to hold on to you so that you have that authority until we both quit breathing. Deal? Amen. So if you got what I got in a summary, what your elder is stressing to you is that we need to increase in our ability to submit to authority so that we can increase in our ability to exercise authority, and that will lead in our better enablement to be led so that we know precisely how to lead. Amen? Come on, let's stand to our feet.